You know, we're back. We really are back with another three-point range. We had some technical difficulties there. I did for a brief period, and thank you for your patience. And uh, I don't know how we fixed it, but we did. This is Mike Berardino, joined as always by Kimball Crosley and our leadoff man, the professor, Tim Crothers, to bring us right into topical and topic number one. Well, I know we, we were able to rope Kimball into the uh, Euro Euro Cup this this year, which is fun. And uh, Mike, I know you you're, that soccer has always been, or football has always been near and dear to your heart, anyway. So, well, anything um, anything Team Italia wise, I'm all in. I'm an ultimate right. bandwagon boy. <laughs> uh, all right, whose point is this? Okay. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, the uh, the Euro Cup. I'm sure you you both watched the final yesterday, and um, what it just reminded me of, and there is that there's a reason that uh, that England has not not had any championships of any note for the last 55 years, and that's because they just can't have nice things. They score a goal in the second minute, and wow, it looks like they're off and running. This is going to be the end of the streak. And we're all, the God save the queen. We're all going to be thrilled. And the next thing I know, they go into a freaking shell, which is just just what, what you hope won't happen. You always hope in a soccer game. I know you both know this, but for our listeners out there who may not follow soccer that closely, what you hope for in a soccer game along these lines is a, is a 1-0 uh, score early in the game because usually that opens things up instead of having two two teams kind of playing conservatively and not knowing what to what sort of how to approach the other team or how how daring to get usually a one nothing early early goal is the best thing for a game but but uh, what it did for England as those of you who watched it saw was it turned them into an 88 minute planned bunker which just was was hideous to watch. And I, I found myself just as the game was going on without really having a, a dog in the fight early on, I found myself just rooting Forza Italia more and more as the game went on because I just thought this was just such a hideous plan for England to score and then try to bunker the way through the last 88 minutes. And so, sure enough, uh, Italy did, did score in the second half finally. Um, and tied the game and then we as you know we went to pk's and this is where i think we really found out why england as a country just can't have nice things because sure enough after england's final three penalty takers uh all black happened to miss their pk's uh then all of a sudden we have a have all this racist ranting on social media and it just if there had been any doubt in my mind uh, about who the outcome deserved to go to, uh, uh, then there wasn't any after that because I felt like, um, yeah, that's just such perfect England. Way to go, England. Um, you just, you, you spoiled what was at least a, a gripping, tense, fun, you know, last few minutes to watch. And, uh, but you just couldn't handle it. And as, as they were reporting throughout the game, um, most of the people who, who were in the stadium were drunk before they even got in there. And, 
and then apparently they also charged the charged the gate so a bunch of people who didn't have tickets ended up inside the stadium uh it was basically just just total british hooligan chaos and uh and i guess that's what we should have expected all along but uh forza italia forza team italia um and uh you know r.i.p to a to a former a former uh colleague of mine sally guard who i used to work with at sports illustrated who was who was the greatest fan of uh, of team of of the italian team ever and uh and she looks down with a smile on her face tonight because um italy is back where they belong what do you guys got well you know that that was um there's a lot to unpack there and it's sort of interesting because the when you have something so big like an international um game and this was on an international tournament but obviously european tournament with so many people involved it is funny how the soft factors come in and like you know obviously in sports we're so used to nonsense like you know uh the denver broncos have now won the last eight times they've been uh you know in texas you know, it's like it's like over the last 17 years with 700 different players on the roster and and none of them really aware or care and it's just some weird thing that we get in sports sometimes that you're just like that has nothing to do with you know no one on the field is thinking about that i hate but, nothing more that is one of my pet peeves it is right. the, all that is the one of the biggest pieces of trash in all of sports right and, and you, but but here i think it was relevant because you know uh, i guess you know we we know i mean people might not know it uh, but you know england has has had a lot of um disappointment in in major tournaments over the years and um for for you know um a country that's been so successful in football and and i uh I had a, a game and i was driving back from the game and i stopped to eat and luckily i was like you know I think I can bop in someplace and see the end of this. And I was able to see just just those key moments, the end of the extra time and the uh, the penalty kicks. And I was thinking like, you know, oh my gosh, there's there's going to be a lot of pressure on England here in penalty kicks. And, 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 you know, I'm not a big fan of penalty kicks, but boy, I guess obviously the pressure and the, the emotion involved, because <laughs> talk about making a free throw under pressure, um, th that is just crazy with so much riding on it. And I thought, you know what, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if these players kind of, you know, felt that pressure and missed. Um, and they might have missed anyway, you know, and who knows why they, they missed, but it was like, you know, here we go. And so they kind of choked it away because, you know, if if they had just, they had a lead at, uh, on a couple occasions and could have put it away. Um, and so that was amazing. And the, the whole race thing is really sad. I, I you know, I, I kind of saw that coming too, because I was like, oh no, oh no. Like, and I was just imagining, you know, again, the, the blowback when something like this happens and, and the blame that happens in sports that can be so stupid. And I just thought, no way, don't tell me that, that that's going to be a thing. And sure enough, it was. And um, the only reassuring part of that is sometimes I think, you know, we, I look to England and always think, what a, you know, there are sophisticated forefathers and they're, you know, they, they really seem to have an edge on us in, in so many ways. And I get so depressed about American culture and lifestyle. 
and I, I visited once and I actually went to a, a football game, a soccer game. And, and I thought, oh, maybe not <laughs> because I saw <laughs> a lot of the hooligans that were walking around and I just thought, okay, um, it's not all, you know, uh, fancy accents <laughs> and um, sophistication here. And so, yeah, the, the, the whole thing is, is quite sad. Well, I, I think, uh, I blame Tom Cruise if I'm England. I, I don't know who decided Tom Cruise needed to be in the uh, friends box uh, exchanging uh, fist bumps with Bex, but uh, I, I just think they lost it right there, whoever whoever signed off on that. It's a lot of bad mojo with Tom Cruise uh, in the house. And so, um, no, I, I uh, another thing I'd like to point out is, you know, a lot of I'm, a, I'm an Italian-American, and I'm uh, not, a, not a huge man, but people generally think of, uh, Italians as being on the smaller side in general, but I'm just so proud that it's uh, season after season, cycle after cycle, Italy finds these mammoth, gigantic goalkeepers that make the goal seem really small. And and they also they generally tend to be named Gianluigi. And so they had <laughs> Buffon a decade and a half ago, and he held that position national team for a couple decades, and he was just monstrous. And here is another one. And this guy, you know, those penalty kicks, not just the pressure, but the fact that it, the visual has to be for a guy that athletic and that big and that sort of wingspan um, has to just make the goal just shrink up. And so that that along with Tom Cruise uh, and another thing I'd like to point out in terms of flipping the script and you talk about, you know, what the entire uh English team is going through now and will go through for a while, you know, this infamy. Imagine being the Italian national team and missing the World Cup, not even qualifying for the World Cup, something you've won multiple times in, in my lifetime, not even uh, qualifying for it in 2018. Just people ready to spit on you as you walk down the street, I'm sure. And and just just three years later, winning something that Italy traditionally doesn't do that well in this, this, this Euro so uh, pretty, pretty amazing turnaround there and, and uh, very, uh, very nice for me. For me, that I had to leave uh, with about the 80th minute for one of my many side jobs. So I'm glad Kimball got to watch all the good stuff. My son Daniel kept me apprised via text and I still haven't had a chance to go back and watch, but I will. Um, but I totally uh, agree with you on the Donna Moore thing. He, the, he's a monster. I, 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 said to, I said to my son as this was getting ready to start, I said, who would you rather have in the goal, Donna Moore or Pickford? And no doubt, Donna Moore is such a, such, such a more intimidating presence in there. But the other, the other, I think, important factor that wasn't really discussed that much was that both Rashford and uh, Sancho, two of the three PK takers who missed, were placed in the game um, with a minute left, left in the game. Just totally for that reason. Cold. Totally cold, just because, just for the 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 idea that they would be they would be the P, part of the PK takers, but man, three really really young inexperienced players, and three players who two of whom who had barely been in the game, and the other one had only been in the game maybe 10, 15 minutes. Uh, that is asking a lot when you think about your you think about some of the the other players on the team. I kept thinking to myself when I was watching. Raheem Sterling after after the game just kind of looking befuddled. I thought, Raheem, how could you not take a PK? <laughs> that is just wrong. I mean, you are one of the premier strikers in the world, 
and you're asking, you know, Rashford and Sancho and to to to, to score these PKs when they when they barely broke a sweat. I mean, I just I I don't know. It's it's one of the great uh, mysteries of of PKs is is why some of the greatest players in the world refuse to take them. I'll never forget the story of, uh, of Mia Hamm in the great 1999 World Cup years ago, just walking back to the bench right before the PK saying, I'm not taking one. And she had to be <laughs> talked into, she had to be talked to the greatest player in, in women's soccer history, had to be cajoled and talked into taking a PK because it was not something that she relished doing. Uh, and then ultimately she did take it and scored it. But, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I just think, those three players were put in a very, very difficult position against, as you suggest, a very, very good goalkeeper. And the results were somewhat predictable. Well, I'd like to follow up with, you know, you being the biographer of Anson Dorrance, I wonder what is the typical way a, a big-time soccer coach goes into a match in terms of dis- do they decide before the match even starts? Basically, if it goes to PKs, these are my five guys, uh, the first five. Or, I mean, because so much is going to happen in that 120 minutes before you get there. It could be an injury, this or that. I mean, you're not going to put a guy in there who's been hobbled or is just completely out on his feet. But how often is it just you know you're five and that's why those substitutions happened? UNC – UNC for years typically does not practice PKs until right at the end of the season because obviously you don't you don't go to PKs until until the postseason in college soccer. So uh, they don't they don't they don't even start thinking about PKs until the very end of the season. And that, at that point they start to, they start to practice them. And anybody who's interested in taking one, they go through a regular rotation and they do boil it down to five five kickers, um, which. Uh, you know that they, 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 those are the plan that this is going to be the five kickers, and I think they even basically have the order already set up. Uh, but in, you know, interesting sidelight on that is that uh, in the 2019 NCAA championship game, they went through the five kickers, and there was not it was, there was not a result yet, and UNC ended up putting in an, putting in a sixth kicker who was a similarly inexperienced player to the ones. <laughs> That uh, that England put on the field in the regular PK session yesterday, and sure enough, this this poor young player missed, and that ended up costing UNC the national championship. So, um, you know, it's you you, de- you definitely have your five planned. Beyond that, uh, you're kind of hoping it doesn't get get there because usually you only have five people who are really dying to do it, if that. Yeah, I assume it's it's almost like free throw shooting in basketball, where you know you. I would hope that, like, you know, you have plenty of time in practice to see who seems to be best at it. And then you maybe even have, you know, you keep track and have account and say, like, well, you know, he or she converts 80% of the time in practice. So I feel pretty good about that, <laughs> you know. But but it's funny, and, and, you know, as a basketball coach, sometimes you're in that situation. Of course, your team gets a technical foul on the other team, and you get to choose who to send. And it's so funny, uh, you know, in the limited times it's happened as a coach when different players will come to me like, let me take it, let me take it. And sometimes <laughs> you go with the guy that's so confident, just busting. Really? And and then you're just like, I regret that, you know. Yeah. So usually, usually I just go to like the guy whose form I trust the most and try and again not get into head games and who's going to choke or be clutch or whatever. It's, it's, it's tough. But yeah, I, I only assume that that the coach put them in there because 
they were just damn good at it. And, you know, again, you have they have to be so much better at PKs than the guy they're replacing to overcome the factor of, yeah, inexperience and uh, having not been been playing in the game and and then to have it just backfire is a disaster. It's incredible. There's not even really uh, an area, correct me if I'm wrong, on the sideline, a la field goal kickers to be practicing. Uh, you can't simulate that, right? There's really no – they probably didn't even have a moment to – Shot, have a single a single shot on goal uh, before that no. penalty kick. That is no. that. I mean, I mean, there must be enough room in the corner. You could just have a little, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, some sort of little plastic dummy you put there or something. Just something needs to happen. But yeah, that is that is a weird a weird dynamic, and and then they'll be talking about it forever. All right, let's let's move on to second point, and let's go uh, right to Kimball. Uh, what do you got for us? Well, before we get to my point. I, I just want to say, like, wow, it, it feels like forever since we've done this. Yes. And and for what it's worth, like, uh, I I really missed it. And I will say, like, even though you know, Mike, you're concerned about how many people listen to us and all that, I want I wonder if it's it's quality over quantity. Like, if if the people out there are missing us, you know, anywhere near as much as is sort of I miss doing it, then let's power on. <laughs> because, because and, and look, you know, the, the the people that listen, we get some really nice feedback, and and I feel like we do bring some joy and pleasure to their lives. So, um, Father's uh, Day, the Father's Day spectacular went over well with your father. Went over very well. Great. Um, so so anyway, and I will not match that with this point, but um, and so my point tonight is about uh, the Elam ending, and for those of you who don't know. Uh, it's named after some guy whose last name was Elam, who just said, who thought about how basketball games end, and and you know he tried to figure out a solution. And hey, that's what we're about here at Three Point Range is is improving some stuff and figuring some stuff out. And um, and I know forget the NBA, you guys, you guys are never gonna watch the NBA. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's still going on, by the way. It's still going on months later. Um, and so anyway, who knew? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But this will just improve uh, every basketball game. It's probably best suited for the NBA. And that's really, I was watching that game a couple of weeks ago when we were about to do a three-point range, but never did. And it was some uh, end of a basketball game that literally took 30 minutes to play the last, you know, 90 seconds or something like that. Because in the NBA, you have replay for every out of bounds. Then you can challenge things like fouls, which I've talked about before. And then they're so good at, at you know, they start the ball at half court after timeout. So it only takes you a second to inbound the ball and get up another shot. So it just becomes a festival of fouls at the end of the game because, you know, teams that foul to keep you from hitting a three and then you foul back and you, after you make your one or two and then they make their, and then, and it's just endless. It's just absurd. And, and so, you know, and, and this happens at, at other levels. It happens, you know, in high school, less so, but it happens in high school when you have the shot clock. And it happens, of course, in college basketball. And, you know, it's just sad that the, the game ends in a way that's not the game. It, it ends at the, the foul line and, 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 and every coach almost feels like they have to do it and foul, even if it's like eight or nine points. And what the Elam, Elam ending does is it eliminates this. And it's kind of a bizarre thing. You play with the clock and you play with the clock up until the last four minutes of the game. And then when there's four minutes to go, 
you'd say whichever team is leading, okay, uh, or if a game is tied, you say first to eight points wins. So it's like you go back to the schoolyard where you might have played pickup basketball, say first to 11 or first to 15, but you say first eight points wins. So you have, you know, in the NBA's case, 44 minutes of basketball, and then it's 106 to 94, and you say, okay, uh, not first eight, uh, eight points plus the leading team score, I should say. That's a big difference. Yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry. Well, this makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, that would be really, that would be really bad. Could have been really, controversial. Really bad. No, so so the leading team, you know, it's their score plus eight. So if you're up by 37 points, you know, it's going to be hard. They're going to get their eight probably well before you get your 45. Um, but, you know, if you're up by two, if you're up by three, whatever. So what it does is it just eliminates all that nonsense. You're just trying to score. And really, if you think about defensively, all you can do is play good defense. You know, you can't really think too much about fouling and what you're going to gain from that. And again, there's no clock to worry about. So it's just like, hey, let's, you know, we're down by 12. Let's see if we can get 20 points before they get eight. Um, you know, and so it really works in the, in the laboratories where it's been tested and and one, you know, one place they've tested is the NBA All-Star Game. But of course, that's such a freak show anyway that we can't really make too much of that. But it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's sort of funny because, you know, it, it, every game ends with not a buzzer beater because the clock is off, but a game-winning shot. You know, just like in pickup basketball, you know, it's just like that, you know, first to 11 and you make that 11th shot and, and you win. And it eliminates all this other nonsense, all stalling, you know, of course, does no good. That's out of the game. Fouling, intentionally fouling is out of the game. And it's just it's just a pure game of basketball and it works. Bang, do it. Go for it. Trust it. What do you guys think? Well, I, I don't think a show with three uh, North Carolina products uh, should be uh, advocating against something that uh, Dean Smith perfected, which was the end game situation. You hold the all timeouts. You wit. You're the one who has eight points in 17 seconds against Duke and and. Uh, People talk about it for decades, but um, and it's all about waiting of the poise. Your 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 side will keep its poise. The other side will crack, and you just keep playing. It is interesting, you know, in a, in a just in a vacuum to do it that way. When you say that there's been a uh, test cases beyond the NBA All Star Game, what's been the most uh, pertinent one, or have you that you that you would point to? Is there something on YouTube that I could go watch it, see how it plays out? Because you could end the game on a free throw, right? That would be one yeah, of the oh, ways sure. you, you would end it. Free throw, a two, a three, and, and it, the, the must feel a little anticlimactic. But I mean, that's a, that's just a thought. I don't know. You know, if you think back to those pickup games, you know, we're all too old, for, hopefully, for pickup no, basketball I, now. Yeah. But but. It, it was hardly anticlimactic then. You know? yeah, that's, yeah. that's when you're just playing because you know, like you're down by four and you get three or four stops and there's a lot of pressure. And, and when that guy hits that, whether you hit it or they hit it, it's big. And it's just like, bang, game's over. And it's it's very exciting. And you have a little bit of a thing here with the, the three and the two. You know, you could be, you could both need a three and you give up a two, but you hit a three, you know. Um, and things like that. And I guess some people might say there might be some incentive to foul there. You know, suppose you're, you're both needing three and then you foul uh, 
you know, or maybe you need one and they need three and you foul and give them two, but that's, that's a dangerous road to go. And that's just one foul situation. And of course, unlike the NBA, where the, the real reason you foul with three, you're still afraid of the second miss on the second free throw and a rebound and a score and that, but, and that's less of a problem if you're playing with the clock, right? You say, well, with one second to go, I'm not too afraid of them getting the rebound and scoring again. But if there's no clock, and you're up three, you are worried about that very thing. You don't want to be playing games. So yeah, I don't have an answer for you. Like what's the definitive game to go watch and 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 see. Um, uh, this one, you'll just have to ruminate and imagine, you know. Um, How long has it been around, this concept? You know, it feels like I first heard about it four or five years ago and or three or four years ago. But I think I think it's been around for a while. I mean, it, it, it was really grassroots. It's just some guy thought of this idea. And I think it's taken some time for it to grow. But but again, I think it's I, I will predict that in our lifetimes, <laughs> stay stay healthy, Mike. Uh, stay healthy, another Mike. lifetime prediction. Stay healthy, Mike. We will <laughs> we will see it either in the NBA or in college. No way. Yeah. Tim, what do you got? Well, first of all, I was told there would be no math. <laughs> and all of that is just boggling my mind. The three for one, two, blah blah blah. Is the your Chisholm Bob is has just gotten me overwhelmed. But I, but I, I mean, I like the idea in in theory. But I kind of agree with Mike. I don't. I can't. I can't imagine that that is going to ever be adopted by by a college or the NBA. Um, in theory, yeah. I'm. I, I guess if it any, I would vote for anything that. It eliminates incessant fouling in games. The last 12 seconds of a game taking half an hour to play, um, I think, is a good thing, especially when 99 times out of 100 the result is already is already known. Um, but but uh, yeah, that it just seems a bit radical to me. Well, to open your mind to it, you know, we have sports that are played like this. One is called tennis. And if you think about one of the great things about tennis is you can be up five one in that you know third set, and um, and you're like and you can even be up forty love and say all right one point away and you don't get that point and the beautiful thing about tennis is you're one point away but now you lose that game you're four points away again and, and, <laughs> and that is just one of the amazing things and you could be up two sets and a five set match and all these things but it, it it's the same kind of drama I mean you can be up fourteen. And the other team could go on a 15 point run, you know, and um, and, and, and it, it will bring that. Um, and in most games, really, what will happen is, you know, without the fouling, the, the better team will will prevail or the team leading that has dominated the game will usually probably win, which is kind of what we want anyway. And there's so much pressure on the refs when you get to fouling because with the clock, because we've all seen it. They don't want to call a foul every few seconds sometimes they let stuff go so that the other team can run some time off the clock and then oops i should have called the foul there because four seconds later you know that guy was still stumbling and bumbling around from getting knocked around and he did turn it over and oh well and it's just absurd it's absurd agreed but uh i i, I mean we'll see how long our lifetimes go but i, I i'll take at the risk of bringing up prognosticating and betting, I I, I, I got to go with Mike on this one. Well, the NBA, as wacky as it is, the one one good thing about the NBA is it's shown it's willing to experiment. And 
And I wouldn't really be surprised if, if this would be one of its next experiments. Maybe this is something we'll see in the WNBA first, maybe just to... I think it's been there. Okay, really? Because uh, that's a place where, obviously, a bit of a, a test tube mentality there, and, they, and they're, not, they're not afraid to try some things to get a few more ratings points, uh, and they deserve more eyeballs because I think it's gotten better and better in the last couple of decades, but that's a place where we might see it. Um, uh, we'll see. Uh, all right, so that's we're two-thirds of the way through our return episode of Three Point Range. We thank you for listening. We're uh, available uh, via Substack with uh, some written thoughts, um, Three Point Range. We have a Facebook page. Um, you can find us on Spotify, podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and Anchor.fm is, is where we originate. Um, and if you have any thoughts, uh, you can leave your thoughts there when we post the links uh, regularly at uh, Twitter and Facebook. So um, check us out, and we thank you for sticking with us this far. Something that started way back in early December, so uh, we're still we're still doing it with a few breaks here and there. Uh, for the final point, um, I'd like to talk about something that uh, I wrote about for Forbes.com last week and got a lot of good feedback on. Um, and I'm and I'm glad that people noticed. People had already noticed this story, but I I wanted to get into it with as well. But the, the fact that uh, in the early stages of name, image, and likeness, uh, pretty much the doors have been flung open for college athletes. We've talked about it on the show before, and it's it's fascinating where, you know, where will this lead? And certainly plenty of pitfalls potentially to it, and certainly some easy money to be made for for athletes that uh, have been, you know, waiting their turn to see what their individual worth might be. Well, I'd like to uh, applaud one Dylan Gibbons, former Notre Dame offensive lineman. He was a graduate transfer to Florida State. Those two schools will be playing on Labor Day weekend, Notre Dame at Florida State. Um, and uh, in attendance will be a young man named Timothy Donovan, who's from Dayton, Ohio. And a short answer, the short version of this is that he met Dylan Gibbons outside Notre Dame Stadium several years ago. And uh, Timothy Donovan has a rare medical condition. He's bound to a wheelchair. He's got a great personality. He's got a family that uh, gets him to Notre Dame games because this is his favorite thing in the world. So um, Dylan Gibbons decided to use name, image, and likeness and his Twitter following um, and his friend network to amplify the thought that he wanted to see Timothy Donovan be there for his Florida State debut against his former team, Notre Dame. And, and it came up with the hashtag, Take Timothy to Tally. They initially had a $15,000 target that was met very quickly by a company called Super Coffee. So good on Super Coffee. And then they increased the goal to $75,000. And they want to see uh, the family get there as well as uh, help to uh, defray some of the massive medical costs for the Donovan family over this these decades of, of treatment and mass and repeated surgeries. And they've made about 40, gotten about $47,000 worth of commitments and their goal is still 75,000. I hope they can get there. Um, and I just, I will be fascinated. I talked with Shannon Gibbons, Dylan's dad, about whether this might spark some additional interest throughout the college uh, athletic community to, to see athletes try to ca not cash in personally, but use their name, image, and likeness for charitable causes that they deem 
worthy. And, and it really does open up an entire area that I have to admit I hadn't really considered. And that was all, all along. It's like, well, they deserve, you know, a little bit more spending money. These kids, they should, you know, they're not allowed to have jobs and that. But they are popular, especially, I mean, and this is an offensive lineman who made like one career start. He found a way to just by being by dint of being a college athlete at major programs uh help this young man and his family with uh, their medical bills and uh, gonna have a, an experience of a lifetime on on labor day weekend i hope there's a ripple effect i hope every university is helping the athletes that are wondering how to cash in or parlay this opportunity uh, i hope they'll do it um for, for good. And, and it doesn't have to be every time, obviously, but um, the, the opportunities are there in every market, every university. Um, doesn't matter if it's Notre Dame or, or you know, a team that has never gone to a bowl game in its history. It's Those players are popular somewhere and they can shine a light where uh, otherwise it might not be shown. So um, do you guys think that there will be any sort of, uh, uh, you know, I guess springboard effect to something like this that gets a lot of attention or do you think it, it, it name, image, and likeness will just be pretty much as we predicted? A lot of rib joints and wings joints uh, getting to uh, sponsor the local offensive lineman and quarterback. Well, I think everything everything in our universe now is copycatted. So hopefully, not just negative things, but positive things are copycatted as well. And. It only come. It only takes one person to come up with an idea like this, for how you can flip the script on what many people see as a potential negative in in uh, in the way it's changing. It's going to change college football and basketball. Um, obviously, that that story is 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 wonderful. You should link it up on our Substack so people can can check it out. And uh, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that um, hopefully will be copycatted by other athletes who who see that they do have this power that maybe you maybe we hadn't considered before, but that uh, that you can use NIL for good, and uh, and so yeah, I hope hope just by continuing to to um, you know to pay it forward with a story like that that we we ultimately bring more people bring that bring that story to more people and put that idea in the minds of, you know, gosh, so many athletes could, could do something so, so similar to that and uh, change the world for the good. I hate to be so sappy, but I think that's pretty much what we're talking about here. Right? No, I, I agree. I agree. And it's funny because um, we talked about this before a little bit and it's going to be just madness, but you know, it, that money doesn't seem like it was going to good places before, <laughs> you know, to, it was, it was lining the pockets of the fat cats before. So even though so much money, and there's going to be so much corruption. It's going to, a lot of the money is going to go to bad places. A lot of money is going to go to good places. And even if it's just smaller athletes, there's a lot of talk about like, you know, you know, obscure volleyball players getting little deals and like, Hey, if they. Oh, I think we lost Kimball. Tim. Yes. All right, we lost Kimball. So <laughs> oh, I can't it's, a, hear me it's good it's good that Kimball will edit out the portion where we lost Kimball. But uh, 
I, I don't she think just he's... texted me saying I got cut off. So ah, okay, sure. I, we're we're here. We get to, we get to do something we never get to do, which is wrap up the show without Kimball. Um, well, I'm glad you agreed with me on this one. There's really no controversy to be had here. And again, it's uh, the Dylan Gibbons, Timothy Donovan. Those are the, the, the key search words. Dylan D I L L A N, and we'll post a link to that on Substack and and uh, along with the with when we get the link to the show. So. Uh, for Kimball Crossley, who's been eliminated from the show, <laughs> <laughs> and Tim Crothers, this is Mike Berardino saying thanks for listening to Three Point Range. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess he's gone. <laughs>